Well, good morning, church. What a joy to be together, to sing, and now to look into God's Word together. As I was studying this week, preparing to preach this morning, I read something that a pastor named Mark Vergrop said about prayer. Listen carefully. Mark Vergrop said, What we pray about reveals what we value. What we pray about reveals what we value. What he's saying is that, that in our prayers, we are going to speak to God about and ask God for His help with the things that matter most to us. The people who matter most to us. The spaces in our lives that matter most to us. We pray about the things that matter most to us. Let me ask you a question. This past week, as you spent time praying, what were the things that you spent time praying about? What were the things that you talked to God about? The things that you asked Him for His help with? My guess is you you talked to God about people that you love. You asked Him for His help in their life. You prayed for them because they matter to you. My guess is you, you may have prayed to God about your work. You may have asked Him for your help in your job because your job matters to you. My guess is many of you spent time praying this week for your church. And, and most likely even for this day where our two churches would gather together. And you spent time praying for your church and praying for this day because your church and this day matters to you. What we pray about reveals what matters to us. And this morning, we're going to look together at John 17, a prayer that Jesus prayed. And what's amazing about This opportunity that we have to read this prayer and hear this prayer and consider this prayer together is that in this prayer, we get to hear what matters to Jesus. What matters most to Jesus. We're going to spend time together this week and next week looking at John 17. And as we do, we're going to see that that Christ's glory matters. Jesus. We're going to see that that we matter to Jesus. We're going to see that our unity matters to Jesus, that our joy matters to Jesus, that our holiness matters to Jesus. In this prayer that Jesus prayed, recorded for us in John 17, we are going to hear and see that Jesus really loves us. And that because He really loves us. He really wants us to experience His love and to love Him and to love one another and to help the world see and believe that He is real and that He really came to seek and save the lost. Jesus prayed about all these things and they're recorded for us here in John 17. What a gift to get to hear the words of Jesus as He prayed. In this prayer... 
we experience the wonderful heart of Jesus in a unique way. And there really is so much for us to learn from and meditate on and apply to our lives. But over the next two weeks, I'm going to highlight or draw our attention to a number of specific things that Jesus prayed for. Things that I think really matter to us as we're considering this potential merger of our churches. Things that we really need Christ's help with right now and really always. This prayer in John 17 is the longest recording prayer of Jesus recorded anywhere in the Bible. And it comes at a very important time in Jesus' life. He's concluded his teaching ministry. He's given his final instructions to the disciples. And if you flip over to John 18, you'll find that the arrest, trial, and crucifixion of Jesus are just right around the corner. So, as Jesus is nearing the climax of his mission, the pinnacle of his ministry on earth, his substitutionary death on the cross, his victorious resurrection from the grave, he prays. And it's amazing to realize that in his kindness, Jesus saw fit to pray this prayer in the presence of his first disciple so that they could listen in on his conversation with the Father and record his words so that future disciples like us could listen to his words and hear his conversation with the Father. So let's eavesdrop a bit together. Let's listen in to the words of Jesus in this incredible prayer in John 17. And let's ask this question together. What does Jesus pray for in John 17? Four things. First, glory. Glory. The first thing Jesus prays for here in this prayer is glory. Jesus prayed for His glory and the Father's glory to be on display. Look with me at verses 1 through 5. Starting in verse 1, we read, When Jesus had spoken these words, this is referring to the teaching that's recorded for us in John's cha- John chapter 13 through chapter 16. When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that the Son may glorify You. Since You have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life, to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence. With the glory that I had with you before the world Existed In verses 1 through 5, in the first section of this prayer that we're going to look at together, Jesus is praying for Himself. And in these five verses, as Jesus is praying for Himself, He asks the Father for one thing. That the Father would glorify Jesus so that Jesus would glorify the Father. The words, glory or glorify, appear five times in these five verses. Verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Verse 4, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Verse 5, 
And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. God's glory is His incomparable beauty and greatness. It is the sum of all of His perfections. His perfect holiness. His perfect love. His perfect power. His perfect wisdom. His perfect mercy. His perfect judgment. The verb glorify means to ascribe value or worth to praise and to honor and to worship. And the Father's glory is what matters most to Jesus. It is His ultimate goal. And it is His driving passion through His life on earth. Jesus brought God's glory into focus. He came and He revealed God's glory in a tangible and a visible way. People really saw God's glory in Jesus. They saw His glory with their eyes. They, they touched His glory with their hands. They heard His glory with their ears. In these five verses, Christ's glory is seen in His ruling as King. Verse 2, in His giving eternal life. Verse 2, in His work of salvation. Verse 4, and in His eternal identity as the Son of God. Verse 5, Jesus prayed for His glory. And He prayed for the Father's glory to be on display. And just let your eyes drift down a little bit further to verse 10 for a moment. Look at verse 10. Jesus says in verse 10 that He is glorified in His disciples. That His glory is on display through us. His glory and the Father's glory are what mattered most to Jesus. And He prayed for His glory to be on display in us and through us for the world to see. Jesus prayed for glory. So let me ask you. Is this the primary focus of your prayers for your own life? Do you pray prayers like this? Father, be glorified in my life. Father, display the glory of Jesus in my work, in my friendships, in my marriage, in my parenting, in the way I steward the blessings that you have brought into my life, in the way I schedule my days and use my time. Father, help me to live a life that glorifies Jesus. A life where your very glory is on display in my life. Do you pray prayers like that? Because that's how Jesus prayed. Let me ask you another question. As we gather together today and as we've all been thinking about and talking about and praying about this potential coming together of our two churches has this been the primary focus of your prayers that the glory of Jesus would be on display in our lives and in our churches as we're seeking the Lord and his will for this potential merger have you prayed for glory in this for God's glory in this. Let me ask you one more question. Is this your ultimate goal? Is this the ultimate goal of your life? That Jesus and His glory would shine in you and through you. In every facet 
and aspect of your life are you praying for Christ's glory to be on display in you and in your church? Jesus begins His prayer by praying for glory. For His glory and for the Father's glory to be on display. That's the first thing He prays for, glory. Second, protection. Jesus prayed for the Father to keep us from disunity and from the enemy. In the next section of the prayer, long section, verses 6 through 16, Jesus shifts and begins to pray for his disciples. He is primarily praying here for his first disciples, but as we read down in verse 20, that he's not only praying for his first disciples, but also for those who will believe in him through the word that they're going to share with the world. Which, over the last couple thousand years, has expanded the number of disciples and today includes all of us. If we've believed in that word, if we've put our trust in Christ as our Savior and our King, and we are following Him with our lives, then we are His disciples, and this prayer is also for us. And in these verses, Jesus prays for His followers. And this is amazing. Friends, Jesus prayed for us. And it's amazing to think that that even now, Romans 8.34, Hebrews 7.25, they tell us that He's still praying for us. He prayed for us. He is praying for us. And here in John 17, we see that He prays for our spiritual protection. In these verses, verses 6 through 16, we see Jesus praying for protection both from internal and external danger. The internal danger is internal disunity. And the external danger is attack from the enemy. And as he prays for our protection from disunity and from the distractions and deception and destruction of the enemy, he grounds this prayer in the reality that we belong to him. We belong to him. We belong to Jesus. Verse 6a, he says, I have manifested your name to the people you, Father, gave me out of the world. Verse 6b, yours they were, you gave them to me. Verse 9, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Verse 10, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Friends, listen carefully. If you are here today, and you're a Christian. You belong to Jesus. You belong to Him. Through His death on the cross, He paid the price to set you free from slavery to sin and to make you an adopted son or daughter of God. And your hope in life and death is that you are His. And He will accomplish His purposes through your living and your dying. And that's why in verse 10, he connects our belonging to him and his glory on display in us. He says, Father, all mine are yours, yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Church, we belong to Jesus. And he is glorified in us. The Apostle Paul encourages us in a similar way. In Romans 14, verses 8 and 9, Paul writes, For if we live, we live to the Lord. 
And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that He might be Lord of both the dead and the living. We belong to Jesus. And because we belong to Him, Jesus asks for the Father to protect us. In verse 11, He asks for the Father to protect us against disunity, to guard our unity. At this point, Jesus is preparing to leave His first disciples. They're staying in the world. And Jesus prays in verse 11, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in Your name, which You have given Me, that they may be one, even as we are one. By asking the Father to keep them in His name, Jesus is appealing to the Father to protect the disciples and to power the disciples with the Father's own power and faithfulness. And He's asking the Father to help them live with supernatural oneness. In unity. And the unity and the oneness that He's praying about here is like, Jesus says, the unity and the oneness that He and the Father have together. Let them be one even as we are one. And this kind of unity that Jesus is praying for is glorifying to God. Because it expresses the same kind of eternal unity that Jesus has had with the Father from eternity past now and into eternity future. In verses 14 and 15, Jesus prays for protection against external danger. That in the face of a hostile world and an evil enemy, that his disciples will be kept, guarded, protected, and spiritually secured by the Father's mighty and good hand. Look at what he says. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And notice, Jesus is not praying that his disciples would be isolated from the world or from tribulation or trouble. Rather, he's praying that they would be protected, that they would be kept, that they would be shielded from the evil one. Friends, we have an enemy. And he wants to distract us and to divide us and to deceive us into living just like the world around us. That's his game. Distract us. Deceive us. Trick us into living just like the world around us. Why? Because when we're living like the world, the glory of Jesus is not on display in us. He hates Jesus. And he wants to do everything he can to diminish and to quench and to, and to hold back the glory of Jesus from being extended in the world. And when we live like the world, he's getting just what he wants. We have an enemy, but listen, your enemy is not the person sitting across the room from you right now. We have an enemy, and our enemy is Satan. And that enemy wants to do everything he can to distract us and deceive us and try to destroy us. But friends, listen to this great news. Jesus Christ won the ultimate victory over Satan on the cross. 
through his resurrection. But until Jesus comes again to fully and finally defeat Satan and cast him into the lake of fire, Satan's going to attack us. And he's going to try to divide us and devour us. And, and today, two churches have come together to praise God and to hear his word and to pray together and to sing together. These are things that Jesus really loves, church. And these are things that Satan really hates. Satan hates this because he hates Jesus. And therefore he hates us. And he wants to turn our eyes away from Jesus and turn our hearts against one another and, and turn our lives and our churches away from Christ's mission. Satan hates this and he's working hard to distract us and deceive us and divide us and destroy us. But Jesus loves us. And because he loves us, he prayed for us. And he prays for us. And right now, the Father is protecting us, church. The Holy Spirit is giving us Everything we need to worship Jesus together today. Did you hear all these voices singing this morning? That's this prayer coming to fruition. We sang together to Jesus because the Spirit's leading us to worship Him. Not fight against each other. This prayer is being answered right now in our midst. The Spirit's helping us love one another like Jesus loves us. To recenter our hearts and our lives and our churches on Him, and recommit ourselves to obeying Him and living His mission to proclaim the gospel here in our city and to the ends of the earth. Friends, hear and take heart in these truths this morning. One, we belong to Jesus. And He's going to keep us. Two, Jesus prayed for the Father to protect us. Three, Jesus died and rose again to protect us. Four, Jesus is protecting us right now. He is our helmet of salvation. He is our breastplate of righteousness. He is our belt of truth. He is our gospel shoes. He's our shield of faith. He's our sword of the Spirit. He is guarding our hearts and minds and church. He will hold us fast. Love the words from this modern hymn written by the Gettys. It says, When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Church, your Savior loves you so. He will hold you Jesus prayed for our protection. Number three, joy. Jesus prayed for His joy to be fulfilled in us. Glory, protection, joy. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, Jesus says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 13, Jesus says that the things that he spoke in this prayer, and, and really all the things that he spoke in his teaching while he was on earth, were for the goal of his joy being fulfilled in us. He wants us to fully experience his joy. And not just a, a few little drops of his joy, but his joy fully filling our hearts. Do you know how 
We experience His joy in this way. Do you know how we experience His joy fully in our lives? We experience His joy as, as we receive His words in faith. And as we follow Him in obedience, as we live with Him as our source and our center and as the fullness of our joy, that's why He came. He came to die on the cross for our sin. Our sin of seeking ultimate joy in places and people other than Him. That's what sin is. I look for ultimate joy in people and in places other than Jesus. And all the while, Jesus is saying, I came to be your joy. I came to fill you with my joy. He died so that we might experience His joy. And He was raised from the dead to be our joy and to power our joy in Him and with Him forever. Church, Jesus loves us. And because He loves us, He prayed that His joy might be fulfilled in us. That His joy might be shared and celebrated in our church together. He prayed that that His joy would be full in us. That He would be the the center of, of all of our joy and all of His joy would fill our very souls. Jesus prays for our joy. Finally, number four, last thing. Holiness. Jesus prayed for the Father to sanctify us. He prays for glory. He prays for protection. He prays for joy. And in the last few verses of this section of the prayer that we're going to look at today, we see Jesus praying for our holiness. Look with me at verses 17 and 19, 17 through 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Verse 17. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. In verse 17, as Jesus prays, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The the word sanctify that he uses there means to separate or to set something apart. It's, it's another word for holiness. God is holy. He is set apart. He is different from everything He has made. He is perfectly pure, perfectly majestic, perfectly righteous. He is perfectly holy. And when Jesus prays here, Father, sanctify them, my disciples, in the truth. Your word is truth. He's saying this. Father, Make my disciples a holy and set-apart people. Help them to understand the truth of your word. Help them to believe the truth of your word. Help them to obey the truth of your word so that they would think and speak and act more and more like the truth of your word. Father, make them holy in the truth of your word. Jesus prayed that for us. That we would be a holy people. A set-apart people. A people distinctively different from the world around us. A people whose lives look more and more and more like the truth of God's Word. Look with me at verses 18 and 19. Here Jesus tells us the purpose of this sanctifying work. 
Verse 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Friends, the Father sent Jesus into our world with a mission. He came to show us God's glory. And He came to rescue us from our sin and God's wrath by dying for us on the cross. And in verse 19, Jesus says that He consecrated Himself to that mission. He, he set Himself apart and joyfully followed the Father all the way into that mission. And that word consecrate that's, that's used here was also used in the Old Testament to describe the animals that were set apart for death. Animals that were given to God as sacrifices of atonement for the sins of God's people. Do you see the connection Jesus is making here? The connection He's making here is this, on the cross. Jesus gave Himself as a sacrifice for our sin. He consecrated Himself to that mission that we might be saved from our sins and sanctified to become more and more like Jesus. This was Christ's mission. This is why the Father sent Him into the world. And here Jesus says that He has sent us into the world as the Father has sent Him into the world. The Father sent Him to die on the cross, to rise again. And now Jesus sends us into the world as His sanctified people. As people set apart in and by the truth of who He is. People who are different from the world in a way that is recognizable and attractive to people who don't know Christ. Church, this is our mission. To live in this world in a way that is distinctively different from the world. And as we do that, to show the world Christ's love and to tell the world the good news of Christ's life and death and resurrection. Jesus prayed for us that we would live lives that glorify Him and we would give our lives to joyfully and passionately living His mission in the world. To display His glory and declare His grace to others. As Pastor Garrett shared, where we live, work, and play so that our neighbors, so that our co-workers, so that our friends would see Jesus in our lives and they would hear Jesus in our words And by God's grace, they would put their hope and trust in Jesus as their Savior and King. Yes, Jesus prayed for our holiness. And He prayed for that holiness. That the Father would sanctify us so that as Christ sends us into the world, the world would see Christ in us. And the world would hear about Christ through us. Friends, this prayer was recorded in our Bibles for a reason. The Apostle John wanted us to not only know what Jesus prayed about so that we could be more informed. He highlights this prayer so that we can be inspired. Inspired to to live in these ways and inspired to pray in these ways. And so let me close with this. If you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, You've not received Jesus into your life as your Savior, as your King. You've not given your life over to Him in joyful surrender. That's you. We're so glad you're here today. We really are. And if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, your first step is belonging to Jesus. To give yourself over to Him. To say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. I'm receiving you as my king. I'm giving my life to you. 
Why not do that right now? Why not receive Jesus as your Savior and as your King right now? If you're here and you are a Christian, I want to remind you of of some things that, that I think we should all be praying about this week as we walk together preparation for next week. I think these are great things for us to pray for ourselves, for each other, for our churches. Let me end with this. Four prayers that we should pray as we continue down this road together. First, Jesus, power our faithful obedience to you and protect us from the enemy. Second, Jesus, help us all to live lives of holiness that are pleasing to you. Third, Jesus, fill us all with your joy. And lead us all to seek our deepest joy in you. And finally, number four, Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified in all of our lives and in both of our churches.